have this family history, how do you not make this your history? Right. Because I think that's unfortunate. It's, it, it's a common kind of misnomer in the medical community. Like, oh, it's a family history. It's like, well, it does, you don't have to own that. I was really excited to have this conversation with Jamila. She is a woman that I see as very knowledgeable in her field of naturopathic medicine, but also she's just someone who's very down to earth and a continual learner. There are points in our conversation that hit very close to home for me, centering around the idea of failure and sometimes things needing to end in order to be rebuilt. This life never ceases to amaze and surprise me. In my best moments, I am fully present and have a deep understanding that there are energies working beyond my comprehension. But looking back, I can see it's all happened for the betterment of me, my life, and my journey. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Jamila. Hey, it's me, Candace. I started something new this year and it's um, over on Substack. I'm writing Wandering and Wondering over there. It's yoga minus the asana. So I hope you'll check it out. I put the link in the notes, the show notes. So uh, check it out and join the community over there. All right. Hello, Jamila. Hello. How How are are you? you? (laughs) I'm good. Good. Thank you so much for saying yes to being here. Um, um, I'm always, I reach out to people and I'm like, oh, I really want to talk to this person. I hope that they say yes. So, oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you for having me and even considering me for a conversation. So (laughs) thank you. Wow. Um, So I always like to start out just by letting people know who we're talking to. So could you uh, please talk to us and just tell us a little bit about who you are in this moment of your life, in this part, yeah. chapter? Um, in this moment, I and I am someone who always says, you know, we're in a constant change. The only constant in life is change. And so transition, I think, is not something I'm always seeking, but I am okay when it happens. So who I am, um, and I, I don't, I'm saying this to you now, I'm a change agent, and not in the way that it looks good on a business card, like, hey, I'm a change agent, you know, it's like, right. it's because that's how I've been able to be in this life, okay. is to, as we say, roll with the punches, go with the change, and so um, some of that has is become more clear to me, like that's my role because it's how I handle the transitions in my life. Not saying that they're all done masterfully, but I handle them and I feel like I've, I gained the insight that I'm supposed to. Um, but that also translates to the work that I do with people because I'm often trying to nurture and nourish people in their transitions okay, and telling them it's okay and supporting them. So whether that's me as a practitioner, as a naturopathic doctor, supporting a patient and a new diet or a new regimen that they are uncomfortable with, or I work with businesses and consulting Mm -hmm. and I'm talking to the businesses about, it's going to be okay. Like you have to, there are new regulations. You have to do this differently. So I'm always kind of this um, conduit for change either through myself or for others. Okay. Nice. Have, 
Has that always been the case? It probably has. I'm just now accepting it. Okay. <laughs> I, okay. There was probably a point of resistance or um, a form of creating something different. Mm-hmm. But I think in the, I know in the last uh, few years, it's been acceptance of this is what I do. Okay. As I go back and recall moments, yes, it's been very palpable. You know, one joke that my family has is like, I can't go to a grocery store because I'm always getting stopped in the grocery store. I mean, strangers, okay. what do you think about this mayo? Should I get this? And I'm like, I don't know these people, you know? So there's something about the conduit of change. I put the words out there and I have to accept that if I'm putting it out there, I'm going to bring back that energy. Right. That's um, interesting how people yeah. like will come, come to you, like for my new stuff or right. what I would call my new and, and for major stuff on, you know, should I move to another? I mean, I'm not a counselor in a sense or life, but um, part of naturopathic medicine, we are taught to be lifestyle coaches or counselors. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just uh, amazing as I go pick up the pieces from the last, you know, two decades or so. It's like how that's always been present. Nice. Do you think that, or do you, I guess my question is like, did, did you see that growing up? Like, was there, was, was somebody mirrored that to you growing up or? Yeah, I um, definitely, you know, I, I would say my mom, I grew up, uh, my parents were split when I was, they split when I was five. Okay. And um, what I thought, I always thought that was such a beautiful thing as a child, because I had mom's house, I had dad's house. And I was like, oh, and dad's house was party house, right? It was <laughs> snacks. It was stay up as late. And it, mom's house was, this is what we eat. This is, you know, right. it, was, it was very, uh, not overly regimented, but it, there was no, as my joke is, there's no foolishness going on in mom's house. It, but it was also a very peaceful and serene setting. Mm-hmm. And my mom, you know, being, I'm the youngest of four, um, being a single mother, watching her at the time as a child, you just see her navigating life. Now, as an adult, I could go back and be like, oh, you know, she was dealing with this. and So to see her navigate stressful and tough situations, I'm not going to say with ease, but there was a confidence that there will always be a solution. Okay. And, um, and either it was confidence or insanity, you know, whoever. <laughs> Nowadays, it's like, yeah, they're kind of the same. same uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment. Um, yeah, so just seeing that, and, and again, this is all hindsight. Yeah. Um, you know, my mother was the type of mother, I remember I was driving my own car at 16 because I was very ambitious and I worked a lot and, you know, because I could, I was like, I'm, I can work at 16, you know, I was like, this is crazy. And I remember saying, I don't think I want to go to school today. And my mom said, you know, this is your life. And you have to make those choices and think about your future and your career. And I was like, didn't you just tell me to go to school? Like now I'm sitting here going, oh, my life and my, ch-. so I go to school, you know, I'm thinking of skipping school and she's like, Hey, this is, you know, you got to think about your career and your future. And I'm thinking, uh, so, um, did you go to school? I did. Cause then I was like, yeah, I don't want to be, you know, homeless. You know, it was always, right. I don't want to be homeless or so, yeah, so um, that's how my mom kind of approached things. And I saw that. And then my dad was, and still is very, um, you know, his responses were intense and emotional. Okay. Like, how dare they, you know, like this guy, you know, driving was, you know, he's a rage, you know, road rager, and you know, has, has kind of had that history less so now these days. But so it's like seeing two 
kind of dichotomies of parenting mm-hmm. um I was thought was cool because it's like oh that's how I should not act in this situation or there's an option right and here's another option and I could choose between one or the other yeah. so I think I've that that kind of presence of parenting always allowed me to see there are always choices yeah and it's up to me to make the cho- the best choice for me how nice that your mom gave you that gift you know <laughs> I, I mean I didn't grow up in a household like that my mom was like the law like you know, yeah. and, and as a result I did skip school you know uh, <laughs> like, that too, that too. it wasn't that it was like you need to do this you need to do that yeah. and not th- that that lesson of that you actually do have choices and what you decide today is going to affect you tomorrow. And it's yeah. that real learning though. It's not giving the answer, right? It's, it's the questioning. Well, what, mm-hmm. what do you think? Right. What, what will happen if you don't go to school? What would happen if yeah. you do go to school? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's been, I mean, that's permeated pretty much every aspect of my, you know, schooling, my career, like I could do A or I could do B. Mm-hmm. Am I okay with the consequences of one or the other? Right. I love that. I, I that's the hard thing I have with um, schools, um, in fact, right now, and in many instances in public school is they just don't ask children questions enough. Oh, don't get me started. I am, I, I'm, I'm so much, my favorite people are 18 and under. And I always, I just feel like children don't, aren't respected. No. In, in a, you know, I'm actually going to be speaking at a high school tomorrow. I love speaking to high school and middle school kids. They're, they're so misunderstood. It's like, they're, they're in this struggle for autonomy, but yet they're having to follow these very, you know, and their thoughts, antiquated thoughts and views and, and rules in the household. Um, I am such an advocate for school and alternative education. That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm literally reading like the quality schools act right now. Okay. Very integral. And, and I don't want to get into the public school charter school thing, but the charter schools to me, were just parents having options. Again, it's all yep. about my role here on this earth is just saying you have choices. Yes. And, and the first thing is you have to be in a system that even presents the choices to you. Right. And that, so that's a whole nother kind of systemic mm-hmm. challenge that can occur. Uh, but once you know the challenges, the, the the choices are present, and now you have the wherewithal to choose, that is so empowering. Very empowering. And it puts children and it put you in a position of advocating for yourself. Yes. Yes. And so now these children learn, like they see it rooted. Okay. My parents made a choice for me to do this. I have to show up and be an advocate. It gives them a different role of responsibility where they take their schooling more importantly. Yeah. You do see kids sometimes in charter schools being a, a little bit more, you know, involved in the academic rigor because it's it's instituted in just the the ethos of the, the school. Right. Of the they have a say groups. in their education. And they have a say know, in their education, yeah. Which in public school, you know, I've been doing some substitute teaching and so- and when I taught in schools, we designed our own curriculum where mm. I was. And yeah. so, and in the public school, they, all they have is these curriculum books and you turn the page and you do yeah. this thing and you hand them this worksheet. And I'm like, yeah. this is awful. <laughs> and we are not, we are yeah, not creating leaders yeah. with this type nope. of work. We're not creating thought 
yeah. thinkers, you know, right. we're creating robots that are yeah. all putting out the same work, you know, yeah. where's the creativity, yeah. where's the individuality, where's the yeah. working together conversations. Mm-hmm. So no, I hear you. You're preaching to the choir. Oh, <laughs> like, my that's goodness. A, that's a whole nother show. It's a me. whole nother show. <laughs> you have to come back for that one. Um, okay, you mentioned when you were introducing yourself working with um, patients. And yes. so you are a naturopathic. Naturopathic doctor. That's correct. Okay. First, tell people, because some people might not know what that is. So what yeah. is that? Yeah, so a naturopathic doctor, um, the doctors, they are trained in a four-year degree program that's very rigorous. It goes through all the traditional sciences, pathology, microbiology, anatomy, physiology, but you take that information of the human body, um, disease process, and then you apply an integrative or therapeutic choice. So let's say instead of saying, hey, take this aspirin for your headache, we might source out like here is an herb or a nutri- it might be a nutritional deficiency, or you might have a gut you know, issue, or you could be just struggling with allergies. Um, we get to the root cause of the health issue. Okay. And also in that same vein, we work preventatively. A lot of times, you know, unfortunately, we're in a place of correcting an imbalance with health or right. <clears throat> a disease state. So naturopathic doctors are trained to apply integrative, alternative, and more natural um, approaches to health. And our focus is also to say, how do we prevent disease? You have this family history. How do you not make this your history? Right. Because I think that's unfortunately, it's, it, it's a common kind of misnomer in the medical community. It's like, oh, it's a family history. It's like, well, it does, you don't have to own that. Right. You know, there's this ancestral gene that you may carry, <clears throat> but you also carry something called an epigene. The epigene is what you're born with that mm-hmm. is there to combat the negatives of the ancestral gene. And so if we get into genetics and st- epigenetics, if we, and sorry, not to go too far down this line, but I say that because if we get into the study of what gene studying, you know, family history, it was really to see that you have the ability to come back, to heal and to, you know, reduce or avoid the disease process that you carry through the ancestral gene. Right. That's fascinating to me. And I've never heard that before. Um, but also because, you know, a guy was diagnosed this year with high blood pressure. And the first question they say is, is it in your family? Yeah. And I'm like, yes, but you know, I don't look like anybody in my family. Like I exercise, I eat Mm -hmm. well, I, you know, like, so why is this happening? You know? And they're like, Oh, it's just hereditary. Yeah. (laughs) It's a very small point in the, the, the heart, the large frame of who you are as a health individual, you know, your family, because family history isn't just that gene that you carry, it's practices. It's how we, you know, prepare our food. Are we at, do we use grandma's recipe with the extra handful of salt or how we consume food? It's also how we manage stress. Sometimes those learned habits of a family are carried with us. Mm-hmm. And so it's not so much specific to the gene. It's the, the kind of culture of your family that is all tied into this family history diagnoses. So when you um, work with people, then, I mean, it, this has been around for a long time too, right? It's not, 
new. It's not new. I mean, historically, doctors would tell you to, you know, for your low mood, they would tell you to go walk barefoot in a dewy field. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what naturopaths are all about, restoring nature as medicine. Um, it's the original therapy. I mean, they're Ed Edgar Casey. You had all these people writing about, you know, natural therapies as simple as walking barefoot in the dewy field. So this isn't um, a foreign, it's just the advent of science. It's, we, we struggle with marrying the natural kind of therapeutic existence of nature with the traditional, you know, uh, with more scientific evidence. Right. And that's one of the things I really like to do is kind of bring those together. It's like, yeah, I read the science. I'm often reading scientific articles, unfortunately, every night, but, you know, it's my pastime <laughs> and hobby um, because I like to see what's new and what's coming out. Mm -hmm. But then it's it's like, OK, how do I take this and apply this to how are you falling to sleep at night? Like, what are your rituals? How do you mm -hmm. feel when you wake in the morning? Um, have you implemented any joy in your life in the past right. 65 hours? You know, like what, what types of things are you doing to create that whole picture of healing where it's not just take this vitamin or take this med? Right. I have um, a couple of friends that I've been talking to lately and they, you mentioned like what bedtime rituals and they're like, have hard time sleeping. And I'm like, well, what is it that you're doing? Like mm -hmm. not only, but you know, during the day before you go to bed, like, you know, and you know, I, well, I'm stressed out. So I'm drinking and I'm like, mm, yeah. well, you <laughs> know, alcohol that, makes us, wakes us up. Right. right. Us it's not going to help you sleep, you know? And like, are, do you have, a, and like you just said, a ritual, a bedtime mm -hmm. ritual, you know, like I, I, for myself, I know that if I'm looking at my phone past eight o'clock, I'm going to have sleep issues. I don't go to sleep as well. So everything oh is goodness. off at eight o'clock, you yeah. know, like, sure. and I have music playing or I'm reading a book or yeah. something, yeah. you know, but, um, and I love sleep. So I like make sure that I get it. <laughs> That's always nice. You know what? I think we need to go back to the days where the television just cut off and play the, you know, national anthem. National anthem. <laughs> At like eight o'clock yeah everybody's like wait <laughs> that and it should be on our phones too like a natural shutdown right time, you know <laughs> it would it would cure a lot it, well and I just think sleep is so important right for so many reasons you know yeah. and it would that would just be a cure for a lot of things in itself it is I mean I I really fight to have my sleep time you know I I do a do not disturb on my phone I, I alert my family you know it's like I don't want to hear anything after 8 p.m yeah. like I'm in the bed by nine yeah and that's that's my restoration that's how I'm able to go and do 55 things a day you know because it's like I need that sleep and I mean I'm everyone knows their sleep number hopefully you know I need eight and a half hours yeah and it's like if I'm not getting that I'm cranky you know it's like I can manage on seven and a half, but I'm not going to do that every night. Next yeah. night, I got to get my eight and a half. And so, yeah. you know, it's just, you got to, you got to figure out where the medicine, one of the things about naturopathic doctors, we always talk about poop and the keys to sleep, you know, like, am I, well, you can ask three things. Do I eat, sleep, and do I poop? Yeah. You know, if you're doing those things and we know the body's functioning to some high degree of level, if you're not doing one of those, that can throw you totally out of sorts. Yes. And unfortunately I meet people who aren't doing either three, right. you know, they're having struggles with, you know, digestive issues and that, you know, so it's just, or they, they miss a meal because they're busy and I'm skipping and, 
I'm trying this new diet. Like all of those things just throw off your gastric, you know, system and you're just now leading into the others. Right. So well, it's, it seems simple enough, but it's something that we all have to try to keep and regulate. Right. And it's hard in this world and the it way is. that we live, you know, and everything is so again, I think fast and yeah. given to us, you know, you, you run to the, you don't eat a complete meal or you're eating more fast food, or you're just yeah. getting the Starbucks coffee and going after your day, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and that whole thing. The thing that always attracted me to, um, this type of healing, naturopathic healing is that and correct me if I'm wrong, but that you all focus more on the whole person versus just the symptom of what is going on. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be honest, sometimes that's a struggle, right? Because I come in and I look at you, I look at Candace, what is Candace doing? What is, what is Candace exploring, experiencing? How is Candace living? And then we come in, sometimes like we hold these diagnoses like a badge of honor. Nope, mm-hmm. I have, di- you know, I've been diagnosed with diabetes. This is it. And this, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, this can be undone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what are the, so now, now we're kind of picking apart the system of identifying you by a disease process. Right. Don't get me wrong. There are full on disease processes that we're dealing with. And the goal is to eradicate or minimize the negative effects of those disease processes. But um, to deal with the whole person, this disease is a tiny subset of you and the goal is for it to not be. Mm-hmm. And so now you have to deal with these layers of what it means to have a diagnosis or a family history. And that gets deep into kind of the person's being. Right. Because, you know, it's like, well, what if I told you you didn't have to have diabetes or you didn't have to have high blood pressure? And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I got the diagnosis. The doctor right. told me I got the meds. It's like, yes, but that there's choice again, right? You have a choice and there are lots of choices that can be made to help unravel and release you from that diagnosis. Right. And it's not so prominent as a part of your being in person because you are more than that. Mm-hmm. You're so much more than a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so that's a challenge sometimes. Mm-hmm. To, so sometimes I'm working through that before I can get to, here's what to do to get rid of the disease. (laughs) And I get it because it's alarming. It's shocking. And you want to do everything you can. You want to do the right thing. So you're going to follow these steps, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But are you ready to take that another step forward? Mm -hmm. And that might be months. It might be years, but the goal is it can be released from you. If you believe you can change, you know, negative aspects of your personality trait, then you can change negative aspects of your health traits. Makes so much sense. And it's just, I don't know, listening to you now speak a little bit about this is it's, it's frustrating because like, even I said to my doctor, you know, um, I had to have a surgery at the end of the year, um, separate of the high blood pressure, but I'm not sure if it's separate of the high blood pressure. It was fibroids, which are all stress. All of this is stress related too. Right. So, you know, and I said to my doctor, I said, okay, but after this is removed, you know, I would like to see where my blood pressure is. And like, if Mm -hmm. I don't need to be on this medication Mm -hmm. anymore. And she said, well, it's just such a small amount, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but it's still something that I'm taking, you know? And it's, and I think that it feels like regular, is it allopathic? Allopathic medicine. medicine. Yeah. Um, that they're not even going to go there to explore that with me. 
you know, to find a different yeah. way. Yeah. I, and I say this because I have close friends and colleagues who are MDs, medical doctors or allopathic doctors. And, you know, what I, what it is, is like, we all have toolkits. Yeah. You know, I always say you don't go to your mechanic and ask him to do your taxes, yeah. you know? Okay. And I think sometimes we clump in health with, a, yeah. you know, medical doctors go through, you know, brutal, you know, training and education and clinical hours and rotations. So they, they do that because they want to help people, but their toolbox is such that it is, you know, tried and true. This is what we do. It's okay. what they call, you know, evidence-based medicine. So as I'm reading through those scientific articles, this is where they live because they want to be right. They want to make sure it's the right way. You know, this is what's practiced and we have the documentation for it. And, and other practitioners or holistic practitioners will say, this is all good information. We're taking that into consideration. We're believe, we believe we got it. We aren't denying this medication this history and the method that your MD has put you on, but then there's a choice. Yeah. The choice doesn't live in the evidence base. It lives in what we call empirical data, meaning there might not be a, a sound article on it, but you can have thousands of people who said, this is the route that I've taken. And that isn't always respected in medicine. Um, and again, historically, these alternative, there's no new medicine under the sun when it comes to natural medicine. When you go to pharmas, the pharmaceuticals, there's new medicines every day. Right. But the natural approach is age old. Age, so the data on that goes back to predates, you know, scientific right. journals. Yep. So we're picking in that information from our ancestors and from pe practiced people of, you know, eons and saying this can help you. Um, so it, it seems a little loosey-goosey for some. Okay. And then it's like, there's, you know, am I free to take this choice? And I think that's where choice comes in. It's like, I don't know if I have the, the liberty to take a choice. And I'm like, it's your health. You're taking a choice. So I, I say that. And with MDs, it's like, they are a part of your healing team. Right. Any practitioner, we work for you. We're there to help. So your MD is going to say, here's the med. This is what I know. This is going to work. And they're right. Because in their frame, it works. It works. Yep. They've it seen, is working. My blood pressure is down. <laughs> so they've gonna, they have more positive stories of this working than not. So why would I veer from this? Okay. Where in naturopathic medicine, we're kind of wild west. It's like, you come in with a headache and it's like, I have probably 52 different things we can try. And because those 52 things are gonna be based off of where you are, your digestive system, your personality, mm -hmm. they're gonna be based off so many variants that, we have an hour to chat about it where an MD is going to have 15 minutes and they're going to give you what works. Okay. Just a different approach, different right. toolboxes, um, all very important. It's just now, are you patient enough with your own healing to try all these different things? Right. One thing I know for sure is that if you're trying a bunch of different things, they're all getting you to the point of healing. Okay. And it's like finding the right fit. Right. So if I want to go off of this, I probably should find a naturopathic doctor <laughs> to help me work through. And they'll get you there. And it's, and the other thing I say about that is you got to go, if it makes sense to you, I never go around saying, no, you got to get off that med. No, it's like, what is it that you want? Right. If the med's causing problems and some medical doctors often say, yeah, we got to find something else. They're kind of at their wits end when you're having major side effects, but you have to think about what's the goal. You know, quality, 
quality of life to me is the primary reason for doing any type of protocol. I okay. want to feel better. Right. I want to do better. And then if you're not meeting that with the prescription, or if the prescriptions are meeting going maybe 50%, you want to take it another, you can still add in natural things that are safe to take with your prescription. And that's where naturopaths, we're trained in what medications are there. There are okay. herbs you shouldn't take with it. There are things you can take. So you're having that kind of qualified practitioner who's saying, here's how to amplify. Let's take you, you're at 50%. Let's at least get you to 75% right. with the medication. And then now you're having the questions, do I need this? Okay. So lots of options, lots of options. Lots and I think part of my job is just letting people know the options are there. I mean, I, I tell the story about a guy and it's like naturopathic doctors are known for, um, saving gallbladders when people have to have gallbladder surgery that's like there's all this re- now there is a lot of research in literature and um it's it's a intense protocol it's short-lived but it's intense and it can help to prevent gallstones and per you know do all mm-hmm. of that and I remember telling this guy and we we had a long I mean I was in there with him two probably two and a half hours wow. he's like asking all the questions which is what I like he's like you know wait a minute what mm-hmm. about this and and after I went through all the things and when I said, well, one of the parts of this gallbladder protocol is that you can't have meat for 90 days. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and, and I appreciate that because the choice, right? It's, at least he now knows there's an opportunity to do something different. And now when you go into the surgery, you're not feeling disempowered because you have to do it. You're now choosing the surgery. Yeah. And that just elevates your health. Like that power and choice just makes a huge difference. Mm. And I always love that interaction. People are like, well, you didn't help him. I'm like, no, we talked about choices. And it was him understanding that this is going to be the choice I'm going to take is with the surgery because he wasn't ready to make these other changes. Changes, yeah. There's no judgment there. Like we don't hold a judgment on how you move in your choice. We just want you to move in a choice. Right. Make yourself, help yourself get better. Yeah. In whatever way that is. Yeah. So his quality of life, he can go back and do what he wants to do. And the surgery right. was a better option for him. No meat. I'm out. <laughs> He's like, no, no. <laughs> and, the, and the thing about that, he told this really interesting story of growing up in just like extreme poverty. Mm. And then he got to this point in his life where he was very successful financially and just very proud of that. And one of the proud moments he remembered was bringing two different meats home for dinner and that was like a bad and when he said it I felt like I could feel it I was like uh-huh. wow that's it. Uh-huh. and so that's been his like this is my we all have these things about success it for means sure very different things to different people and he said that I was like I, I could feel that and he's right. like yeah I don't want to ever stop doing that because yeah. I'm taking care of my family and I thought to me, that was a valid enough reason. For sure. For sure. And it just those, I don't know, those like moments too, and just like our life history and whatever it is that got us to where we are, you know, those are very valid points for each of us and, and, and carries us in some kind of way to the person that we are, are today. And we have to cherish that as well you know that Absolutely. strength of whatever it was that this is my proud moment it's like and how you felt that energy yeah. and I call that medicine because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a part of your 
you know, being in your existence and it's gotten you this far and it's lifted you and it's been a source of motivation. So that's good medicine. Yeah. So how did you get to that, the naturopathic? Because you started out (laughs) in chemistry, which is why you read the scientific journals, I'm guessing at night. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely, um, I would say a lab rat. Like I like the, I, I like the deductive component of reasoning and getting into the minutia of detail. Mm-hmm. I have that um, aspect about me. And I went into chemistry because I just wanted to know how things operated. I wanted okay. to know. I would always ask that question like, well, why is this? Someone needed to take high, I have a family member who was on high blood pressure. I'm like, well, why? And what is the medication doing in your body? Like, how was it? Like, I needed to know even as a teenager, how is this keeping your blood pressure pressure low? Oh, well, that's an ACE inhibitor is working on this, you know, different enzyme. It's helping the kidney or this one's beta block. It's like, that was something I had to know in order to move, move okay. on. In life. So um, I, I went and got my undergrad degree in chemistry and French because like, why not, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and then I started working in the pharmaceutical industry. Now, which, you know, was always intriguing and interesting. And it, I felt like in that arena, you could find cures because you're working with all these different medications and substances and chemicals that can have a major effect on the body, positive or negative. But right. um, so I was, you know, interested in that, um, had the fortune of working in many different industries, large pharmaceutical companies, uh, food and drug administration and um, working in that aspect. But while there, it was, I, I was always kind of like the herb girl in the lab, you know, uh-huh. like the weird one who's bringing all these weird teas, and which is funny because <laughs> a lot of chemists would be like, hey, what can I do for this headache? You know, right. You know, you take all these herbs and, and I always respected the chemical aspect of herbs just as much or more than the pharmaceuticals. And I'm like, why aren't they getting the same press and research and dollars and and institutions built um, to honor them. And so that's how I knew I was going to do a PhD. So as a chemist, you kind of, you start off the low level chemist as a quality control. I moved up into a narcotics lab, actually, with one of the pharmaceutical companies. And I went to research and I was on formulations team with specific drugs. And from there, I thought, okay, I'm going to do my PhD because that's kind of what you do as a chemist. I was going to do it in organic chemistry to dive in more to research. And then I was researching, like, what kind of research is out there for herbs? And I found the naturopathic program. Okay. Uh, so that's where it was like, oh, like, this is a thing. Um, I thought about med school, but then I, I always say, well, I don't really want to talk to patients all day. Go figure, you know, because <laughs> um, they had exactly it, what you do. <laughs> it's exactly what I do. It, there was an MD PhD program where it was really the research aspect. And that was, uh, you know, so I toyed kind of with that, but it was always research. And then, uh, yeah, so I went to naturopathic medical school and it just changed my life. It brought out so much more that deeper and kind of inquisitive wanting to understand chemicals, but then, man, I'm like immersed in plants, plant mm-hmm. science and nutrients and vitamins and how they act. And it was just like, this program was made for me. Uh, at the time, there were only six or seven accredited schools across North America, but now they're like eight. And I went to the school in Toronto um, 
Canada, which was just phenomenal in so many ways. Um, mm-hmm. And so much of my life, uh, major life components. I got married in Toronto. I gave birth to my child in Toronto. I graduated from my natural. So there's so much of me, I feel like, that occurred there. And then I came back to the States to start my naturopathic practice. Why'd you yeah. come back? Um, so I, the school wasn't challenging enough, so I got pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend curricular that. activities. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was planned in case my daughter's left. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so my final year in naturopathy, you have to do clinical rotations. I was like massive and big, you know, pregnant doing that. And so um, my spouse is uh, was grew up in Canada, so Canadian, and has family there. My family all being back in the states, right. And there was that, and then I had the opportunity to start a practice with a medical doctor. So I did, uh, like, when I graduated my naturopathic program, I kind of did what a, like a residency, so to speak, okay. with an MD. And it was a way to ease into practice, so to speak, learning kind of the low, because it's, you know, Missouri, which is not uh, regulated for naturopathic doctors. Okay. So I kind of had to work under the kind of the MD model. Um, so it was, it was an opportunity for business and then to kind of reunite with my family who I'm very, been always been very, very close with. So, and having a child and I'm the baby with the baby and everyone's like, oh, right. You know. right. All the attention. Yeah. All yeah. the love. Um, so how, I guess my question is like, cause you said, as you're going through these programs that you were already into teas and things, but did it change your life more the more that you went into this, this study? Did you find yourself in your life, maybe how you lived your life or absolutely more? Absolutely. I have really understood the concept of sustainability living there. And part of it being in Toronto and in Canada, um, part of it being my spouse, who's very much an outdoorsman, you know, kayaking and hiking pretty mm-hmm. regularly and camping and um, and it was just second nature to that, to the people we were around in that environment. So, and it just was interwoven within a naturopathic um, training. When I think about myself today, I'm very much like, I never wanted to be like my career defines me kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Naturopathic doctor is who I am. You know, a, a holistic, you know, all the titles, holistic, homeopathic, integrative because it's just so much a part of your fiber of being. It's always the consideration of others. It's always the, how is this connecting to the earth? Like it's always allowing me to do that second and third and, and fourth glance into the greater good. Mm-hmm. I feel like the education and training was a huge part of that. Um, so interesting about naturopaths that, you know, in, in, in areas in where they're concentrated, like in Washington or, Oregon or Colorado or even in Ontario or um, Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. So you see commonly naturopaths and there's just this, there's not a competitive component. Like even though you have to be in business and have a practice, Mm -hmm. literally you'll have four naturopaths at a corner and there's like a collective community about it. Right. Um, And I was so like inspired by that. And it's just this you meet someone, I go, you go to conferences and it's like automatically, like, oh, you're a natural app. And then that there's a 
and explain it, there's like a connection. Mm-hmm. And so it reminds you that you're not alone, mm-hmm. uh, even though you can feel isolated in many ways and, and being in Missouri with very minimal naturopaths. And, and even to this day, I've been in practice 15 years. I still explain to everyone like, what is that? You know, right. but it, it, um, it just it reminds you that there's someone out there that understands it's like a rites of passage you go through for this four-year degree program that they get it and you can connect with them immediately mm-hmm. um, so there, there are so many positives from that program it's so much about it's so much of who I am today okay that program so I, I don't even like to say it's my career it's just who I am just who you are and isn't that I don't know I've I've find that when you say that's just who you are, that that's what life and living and like the hope for myself. And I think in some ways I'm doing this. I think the things that I have done have led me to this one. And I'm going to ask you this question, like why we're here, you know? And like, for me, it's about, um, that connection, that community, you know, and the things that I've seen, if I look back, it wasn't like it was planned at all. Right. I didn't, I did plan to go into education, but the things that kind of came after that, you know, it wasn't like necessarily planned. It just, this step kept leading me to this step, kept leading me to this step. Mm -hmm. And so wondering for you, like, why do you think that we're here? Like, what's our purpose as humans being here? Yeah, I think we all have a purpose. I think our purpose um, varies. I think it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it can ebb and flow. Um, and I think um, everyone has their own kind of purpose. I am clear. My purpose is to help people in their healing process and for education. Mm. Like I'm, that could not be any more clearer to me. Um, the opportunities I do have to teach, it just uh, I am alive. You know, it's like I get yeah. to just. Because it's like you gather all this information in your head. It's like, it's not supposed to stay in my head. Like right. I'm, the goal is you gather, you understand it and find ways of sharing it. So I'm definitely here to share information and to support people in those transitions. Uh, that healing process that can be challenging, can be difficult, it can be rewarding, it can be exciting. So that's definitely my purpose on this okay. earth. Yeah, nice. The education piece we were talking about that before, before we started recording, Yeah, we'll have to start a whole new podcast about education. <laughs> like seriously, holistic education, because Hol- it's, it's, you know, our children and they just, they need people to see them yep. and offer routes of quality, key, clear education. Yes. Yep. I've told people, I said, I know the school, I know what it would look like. I know yeah. what it would Ooh how it would sound, all those things. But I don't, I don't, I just don't want to be the leader of it. Like, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do that itself. piece. Right. Yeah. That's a whole different thing. But like in my mind, if somebody came to me and said, we'd like you to help us start this school, I'd be like, let's go. <laughs> I got you. It's go time. <laughs> right. I just do. I, because I see what is so lacking in our educational systems. And I know what works because I've done it you know, and, and so education's near and dear. So on this road that you've been on this life that you lived, what's one lesson, one of the biggest lessons for you and how has it 
changed mm. you? Oh, um, you know, it's okay to fail. Mm. Mm. And, and that, you know, we always talk about success and what's it, but if I understand the failure to me, that's where I can be successful because I'm not fearing it. I'm not, you know, taken out by it. It doesn't like end my desire to be determined in something else. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's what you need in order to get the new fresh idea. Yeah. Yeah. Painful as it can be. It's okay. Yeah. I was reading in um, an article where they, you were interviewed for an article and was talking about um, Golden Grocer. And I mm -hmm. think you were talking about that in there, the mm -hmm. idea of it wasn't a failure, but actually it needed to happen, like you just said. Yeah. And that's, I think, the lesson is like the, the term failure. We have so many emotional ties, so many past experiences that make us feel like it's the end. Mm -hmm. um, just like if you pull, you know, if you're into tarot cards and that kind of thing, you yes. pull the death death card. Everyone's like, oh, I pulled the death card. Right. I'm like, oh, great. Because there's something that needed to end so that you can truly flourish. Like we yes. carry so much around for so many reasons. Like, because we think we're supposed to, because we're told this will be success and we're told that this is what's going to lift us to where we need to be. And then we realize it's not serving us. Yes. Um, and then sometimes things need to end to be rebuilt and to regrow. It's the Phoenix, right? You got to, mm. you know, so it's, it's like, we hear these stories and then when it happens, it's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm here. And then it's like the choice. Do I fight to keep this going or do I allow it to let it go and to fizzle and burn and die so that the newness can come? Right. And, you know, to say that and, and go at, at what I interpreted initially as a failure was like, oh, this is, this came to me too close, which I have, I am so clear on. Right. But it's when you talk to people and they're like, why, why, why'd you close it? Why, why is this not? And it's like, if they're not in the space to have that conversation and, you know, you could see a little, you know, kind of curt about it it's like yeah no, yeah and and there goes that you know people's opinions like you can't yep. a lot of times people the suffering of what they perceived as a failure is because the opinions that are attaching on to that said failure mm -hmm. once you detach those and think about what really happened was a freeing a releasing a learning a major education and a wherewithal to how, if I go do it again, how to do it. But we have right. to have the, the brave uh, courage to be willing to rise from those ashes. Yeah. And you'd be so surprised what comes from it. Yep. One yeah. of my, I, I was just <laughs> writing and um, there's a movie. I love it. I like rom-coms. They just make my heart <laughs> I happy. Do too. Yeah, I know. And um there's this one, Elizabeth Town. I don't know if you've ever seen oh, it. So I haven't seen that. Haven't okay. Seen that. But in there, um, Susan Sarandon's in it, who I, I love. But there's one scene where the girl says, fail, 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 fail. <laughs> Have the courage to fail big and then walk out of there smiling, you know, and leave yeah. people guessing. Like, why is he smiling? He does. Exactly. Fail, you know? And I just loved 
I love that moment in that movie, you know, and yeah. it it is hard and people don't necessarily understand, but also that we just in society, like what we've given to that word failure, you know, mm -hmm. and how we make it such a, it's been made such a negative thing to us, you yeah. know, but when you look at any great writers or thinkers, you know, they're yeah. all talking about, about, yeah, they're talking about it. falling down. I mean, we hear it, it's almost cliche. And it's like, why is this not registering when it actually happens? Right. Um, and it goes into change. You know, the only constant in life is change. I say that constantly mm -hmm. because it's hard to change. Yes, it's hard yeah. to accept it. It's hard to accept someone changing across the street. You know, <laughs> like, why did they change the color of that house? You know, like, <laughs> why do you care? You know, right. <laughs> it's like I'm used to seeing that yellow house and they painted it blue you know it's like but that's just because there's a comfort and especially you know the world we've been in where our lives were in essence snatched from underneath us right yeah our rhythms and routines were simply shut down yep and um and I won't you know there are a lot of waxing and musings about that but it happened whether it needed to it shouldn't have whether it happened um i suffered many losses of loved ones during that uh, pandemic but the there are positives that have come from that and i you know not that i want to live in that moment but it's like how simply i was able to live or how i quickly adjusted yeah like, okay this is where we are all right that's not easy for everyone. And I recognize that. So I try to be very empathetic with like the trauma that folks are still going through from that life yeah. switch and change when it's like, well, let's look at the positive. If we could find one, because right. I could go through all the lists of negatives that happened. For sure. But if we look at what was, we were able to redefine ourselves in some cases, people were saving money. Like, no, you know, like there, there are all of these little things that we want to gloss over because of the overall major uh, impact that it had yeah. so again it's like if that time didn't tell us that we have to be agile and, and non-attached to stuff non-attached yes. to you know like so yes. that, it's like that was a huge yeah here, here it is the way to you know so yeah. we want comfort for out of that we want to just go to what we know we don't want things to change we want so you can address it in two ways you can just say all right this happened i'm ready to roll with the punches or are you going to now cling to those very physical tangible material things that could be so quickly yeah lost? yeah what i found for myself was like you know there were moments where it, when things happened for me that I was very clear cut and I knew exactly what to do. It was hard. It was awful and all that stuff. But then, and then there were other things that were not so clear cut and so easy. And, but then also I feel like 2022 was finally like, and I'm not going to say I'm through it completely <laughs> because we yeah. never know how these things happen. Right? <laughs> right. Because what I've experienced is moments of where, Oh, Oh, it's gone. And then, Oh, it's not gone. <laughs> it's gone, Yeah, you know, and, but 2022 felt like in the ending of that year and just some things. And I think the removal of my fibroids, you know, there mm. were just like some things yeah. that were like physical taken out and that I could leave 
behind, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there was, there was some growth in that period of, and more learning. And I think I said this to you when we first got on, like even just being here in the silence of where I am at this moment and in Colorado and getting away from so many voices, I got off social media, like so many things, like I got away from all social media. I'm really (laughs) fangirling. What? Away from the noise to, to be able to listen to myself, you know, and not hear these voices that I'm letting play in my head, real or not, you know, like, um, to actually begin to accept all that had did happen. And Mm -hmm. there were good things that happened out of that, you know, like there was a lot of hardness, awfulness, but there was also some really good things, you know, that Mm -hmm. happened for myself in my life that other people will mirror to me as courageous or Mm. exciting, you know, and I have to remember, I love it when somebody reflects back to me because I can go, Oh yes. Yeah. (laughs) That was me. I did do that thing because we don't always see ourselves in that way. Right. Right. Cause we're just, we're so much dealing with the the life. I say that all the time. I say, we're all healers, Yeah, you know, and, and oftentimes we're not engaging our healer because we're dealing with rent and our car and fam, you know, it's like, we're so caught up in the tedium of, of life in the day where if we're in the silence then we could say, well, you know what? I did overcome this. Yeah. Like it's so, I think it's okay to pat yourself on the back. Like, and then you have those people who are in your community who can mm-hmm. remind you. And yeah. I feel like that as a practitioner or just as an adult, like we're here to hold each other accountable, yes, please. to remind each other of the reflection that we are of one another, the greatness mm-hmm. and the potential that we have. So good for you for having people and listening. So when you feel like, wait, I'm not doing so hot around here. And I'm like, no, we're shutting that down. Yeah. Cause you are rocking and all this. And th- I mean that, so when you do have those moments, which we all do, it's good to have that kind of self-reflection point part, you know, through someone else. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's sometimes we need that and that's okay. Yes, for sure. So as a change agent, <laughs> how, how, what ways are you seeing yourself evolving and at this space and stage of your life? Oh, um, I'm definitely, I prioritize joy. Mm. Uh, much to the dismay of the clients I have you know (laughs) (laughs) sorry I can't call you back I'm like oh you know right skateboarding right now I'm like whatever it is I'm doing you know or I'll I'll golf and you know it's like what has what can be perceived is like oh you don't care you're being aloof it's like no I factor myself in yeah I factor I will schedule you and give you 110 percent of me for two hours I do not want to hear from you the rest of the day, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. or you cannot embark on my, now, now I got my two hour time. That's mine. Right. If I'm, you know, it's the one, one of my things is I'm going to give you when I'm working with you, it's all about you in that moment. And I'm, I can do that because I do take the time or now it's all about me. Right. So it's, it's like, you know, yes, I got to go take my car to get checked. I got to go drop this at the cleaner. I got to, and then it's like, now I'm, in that block of time, it's just mm-hmm. me. And I can do whatever I want, when I want, how I want it. You know, I can yeah. walk, I can stare at the wall for 
30 minutes if I want to. It's my time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, we hear that too. It's like your cup is full. You can't, I can be there for people fully because I can also show up for myself. Right. And so I'm deserving of that time slot too, you know? So those are the things where it's a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Well, why can't you meet before 10 a.m.? It's like, I need to go for a walk. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but this is important. I'm like, I know it's important. My walks are also important. Yes. And just uh, being unapologetic. Now, life happens. There are days I might have a 7 a.m. meeting. You know, I can allow for that um, because I've done so much already during the weeks. Mm-hmm. But that that's where I, I just, I can't compromise myself. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have the room to. Right. I think more people, you know, we need to think about that more as, as individuals and putting and prioritizing ourselves, you know, and, um, because mm-hmm. we just yeah. don't. And then we get to this place where we run ragged and you can't help anybody. You exactly. Know? And it's, it's not, you know, in the business world, it's almost like not acceptable to say, like, yes. well, why, why can't you meet right you know, someone today asked if I could have a 7 p.m. meeting. I was like, oh, no, I don't have any, like, that's not happening. Like, well, that's the only time we can meet. And I'm like, it's not happening. (laughs) I am not, there's nothing coming out of of this at 7 p.m. Because that's my, that's part of my dad, the ritual. Right. I start to shut down. I might finish my own email. Like, I'll give myself a small window. But to go into a meeting fresh at 7 p.m. 7 o'clock at night. Who's doing that? (laughs) yeah it's not happening and it's so it's those boundaries yes yes well and we just don't prioritize time I don't think here especially I can't say all across the world I knew I do know of some places in the world that prioritize vacation time and that sort of thing but we it seems in America do not yeah so to actually say you're going to take a walk and people are like but wait it's the middle of the work Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I get. And I'm like, yeah, but seriously, what, what time? And I'm like, no, I'm, I have to do this. And they're like, right. But we got projects, we got deadlines. And I'm like, I got you. Yeah. After this walk, I'm right there. I'm there. I'm there with you. And it, it did help living in, in Ontario. I was people holiday. Uh-huh. And like, you know, I was like, what do you mean two weeks off? You know, I'm like, what kind of, that's weird. You know, yeah. <laughs> Now I'm like, yeah, my vacations, I will do a seven day vacation, optimally 10 to 12 days. Right. To really, well, you need that. When I was in Panama and I was teaching yogurt, yoga, yogurt, yoga there. (laughs) um, So many people from Germany, like Mm. they get a month off. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, for real? Yeah. Like one, like four weeks a month, you know? Oh yeah. But you almost need that because you don't start to, I feel like you get a week off. It's like day five or six that you actually feel like yes. you like your body yeah. is like slowed down, you know? Oh, and so know. then you need a few more days to at least enjoy the vacation. Exactly. Yep. I, I'm right there with you. So those are the things where it's like, I have non-negotiables. And yeah. it, that's also challenging when you are there to help people. Right. Because when you create your life to be someone to help, you create relationships and bonds and they become really close 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, so folks are like, I just thought I'd shoot this text message to you at 3 a.m., which I tell folks you can do. I don't, it doesn't matter. My phone's off. So. off right. But <laughs> who love- is up at sending <laughs> messages at 3 a.m.? You know, it's like, I wanted this to be the first thing you saw. I'm like, you, you know, folks like, do you mind if I call you over? I'm like, sure. My phone's off. I don't right. Go right. Do it. Leave all do. the messages you want. <laughs> go right ahead. You know, I won't know it. <laughs> oh my so, and it's just people's life because they're working you know I I respect that you know some folks work a night shift and that's the only time they have to yeah so I I'm like my voicemail is there for you the message will be sitting there waiting for me to read when I do turn the phone on at yeah. 7 a.m right good but, for you good boundaries another um not everyone's it? happy no Doesn't make everyone happy have no gone. not at all um, okay. I want to get into, because you've delved into a new field. Oh yeah. But it also isn't a new field, right? Mm-hmm. It's new, but it's not because it's still plants. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So what was drawing you? How did you get and start moving into the cannabis route and what you're doing? And it's actually, I was surprised when I read this because you're doing, what's the, the title you have at, at St. Louis U? Is that right? Oh, so yeah, I'm an adjunct professor at St. Louis University, and that's in the cannabis science and operations program. I teach cannabis pharmacology. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Talk to us about that. Like, how did you go there? I mean, like I said, for me, it's not a, I don't think it's a real reach. It's a plant. It's a plant that's been around growing out of the ground for eons, as long as we've been here. Right, using indigenous people, using it as medic medicinally for a long time. But you know, we here again in America and many other places had to make it a substance that is illegal to use until most recent years. Yeah, yeah, it's a really odd thing that this plan is even illegal. Um, that's another conversation, right. But, um, you know, part of naturopathic medicine, you study different modalities. Mm-hmm. You can study nutrition, botanical medicine or herbal medicine, which is something I took in as a hobby before I even got to naturopathic medical school. Traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture is another modality. There's something called, um, uh, like a, uh, it's almost kind of like a physical type of therapy similar to chiropractic care but it's a manipulation physical manipulation so there are these modalities that you study as a naturopath and some people come out and they only do you know to be a naturopath but you might only do homeopathy is another one which is more of an energy medicine you might come out as a naturopath and be more of a homeopath or more of a acupuncturist or more of an herbalist so to speak Uh, so you have people who are herbalists and that's all they do that's all they study naturopathic doctors study the whole system um, pr- almost like a primary care practitioner, and then they have these modalities. So one thing that I've always used was plant medicine. I'm very much an advocate for plant medicine. Mm-hmm. That's about the foods that you put on your plate, as well mm-hmm. as the teas that you may consume, or even the herbal tinctures or capsules or tablets that can help with moving um, a condition or reducing symptoms of a, a disease. So um, cannabis is definitely a plant. And it's always talked about in some of the herbal books, but because of its illegality, Right. It's federal prohibition in the United States. It's almost like on the outskirts because no one wanted to go to jail for talking about cannabis. 
well, um, there's been a wave, you know, like 32 states, I think 33 now, but 32 states across the United States of America who have some form of cannabis program, whether medical or recreational. Okay. Uh, we know that there are states, uh, countries, sorry, uh, Canada, Uruguay is another one that has, um, that is legal to consume cannabis, purchase and grow. And so when I started getting rumbling, so here's the thing. First, there was CBD. So you had these states. So when you're in a state and there's, you know, Colorado, California, we heard about Washington, um, being in the state of Missouri, which was illegal, people were using CBD, which is CBD is the cannabinoid that's found in the hemp plant that doesn't contain the THC, the other cannabinoid that's known to get you high. Okay. So cannabis uh, can be broken, and not to give a long lesson here, but into hemp or marijuana or, or TAC, and it's based off of the amount of TAC. So anyone can go to a store, unfortunately, gas stations, and buy CBD, right. which will be, is from hemp. So there was this movement, and hemp became more common. Um, so here's something that's interesting. When I was working for a pharmaceutical company, I was on a drug team, and that drug team was called Lamictal which is, uh, or lamotrigine, which is a drug that's used for epilepsy or seizure disorders. It's also used for bipolar disorder. Okay. So I just, I, I always say I kind of full circle that because in uh, 2015 or 2016, I had patients that were coming in who I was seeing a lot of pediatric patients because I, you know, I love the babies. Yeah. Uh, so I was seeing pediatric patients that were suffering from some type of seizure disorder. Okay. And at the time, CBD was getting a lot of research and news and science about how it could slow and reduce the onset and the occurrence of seizures. And so I was hearing about it, but I didn't really dive into it because it's like, I don't want to deal with the whole cannabis and because I'm in a state that's illegal. Right. Well, I had these families who were very persistent and they were like, this is helping my child, but I don't know how to dose it. Right. So I go and start reading all the science and the literature and um, seeing how it can help children. And I had one child with a very specific condition that's called Dravet syndrome. And Dravet syndrome is um, a very intense kind of condition. Sometimes kids respond well to these medications. So Lamictal would be a drug, but the side effects of Lamictal can be overwhelming for children. Mm. And so when I see that, it's like, I would tell the parent, put the child on some type of, you know, uh, anti-epilepsy medication, anti-seizure medication, but these medications weren't helping the kids or they were causing personality defects and disorder. Mm -hmm. um, so it was come, becoming a bit of a problem. And so it's like, well, we can't take the med, what do we do? And so I just started implementing CBD into my practice and finding places to get it. And, and so that led to me teaching classes about CBD, what's safe to use. And because the science was just slowly rolling out Right. And then from there, I went into um, this 2018, you know, the time my timelines are, that's when Missouri actually became legal for medical. Medical, okay. And so I, because of my background in chemistry and formulations, I started working with a medical cannabis company um, formulating medical cannabis products because you have people who are like really interested into, in cannabis, but it's still a plant. It still has, you know, it's like these very, you know, business people throwing money at it. But it's like, but it still has the property of plant. And I had a history of working with plant formulations with mm -hmm. other companies. Mm -hmm. So it was just, it just made sense. Right. Um, and just kind of giving some like, you know, real world, like here's how you operate a lab in a can. 
you know, cannabis settings. So that's how I got into that. And then um, I was at that company for a year, then I became a consultant. And so what I do now is help companies like manufacturers who um, are trying to make product and they want, you know, looking at the principles and properties, adding in other botanicals. How do those botanicals work with cannabis and those types of things? And so I do work with, uh, I have a company now I'm working with where I'm the chief science officer um, at this manufacturing company and it's creating product and making sure production of product is safe, effective, and finding all the right ways to manufacture it, yeah. keeping the integrity of the plant. Nice. That's amazing. Long story, but That's okay. <laughs> you know, what I'm curious about for myself and maybe for others too, is like, because now it's like, you know, so it's, it's legal in various States for recreational too, but I know people that are using it and whether it's for depression or anxiety or whatever, but there's no dosage, right? Like, mm -hmm. how do you figure out yeah, how to do you know, or or what strain, or right. you know, because you go into these places and you know, well, this one really tastes great. Or yeah. I liked the way this one felt, and you know, and I'm like, okay, yeah. but that's not really helping me, you know. Yeah. So the people there aren't really educated in ways right. that can help you if you're actually seeking to use this to right. help you. Absolutely. And one thing I always say, it's still a plant. And so we're trying to get these highly reproducible benefits and effects from a plant that anyone can grow. That's right. grown differently in every, you know, the joke is there's a strain called Blue Dream. Blue Dream in, in Colorado is very different from Blue Dream in California, very different from Blue Dream in Michigan. It's just because who's growing and how they're growing at the light conditions. And that's probably one of the problems of the industry with cannabis uh, is because okay. anyone can grow it. Everyone has their trick and trade of how to make it this and that. And so the consistency is always a challenge. Now you can get over that by making extracts of it and then making edible products, but that's a whole nother thing. So dosing is so interesting because the reason why cannabis has become um, more mainstream mm -hmm. is because the science is showing that we have cannabinoid receptors. So we've talked about opioids and, and, and unfortunately how they kind of ravaged the nation, but the, we have opioid receptors in the brain. We have nicotine receptors in the brain. Well, we have cannabinoid receptors in the brain. Whether you're consuming cannabis or not, we have cannabinoid receptors. Okay. So that's like, hey, there's something there that this plant can help um, in the body. And because of the system of how endocannabinoids work or cannabinoids work, it's called the endocannabinoid system. That system is a system of homeostasis. And what that means is a system of balance. Okay. So what I may need is going to be very different from what you may need right. and the next person. So because it's a system of balance, you may only need cannabis for a month. Some people may only need it for a year or, and then the amount that you consume is going to vary based off of where your endocannabinoid system is. Um, I do teach classes about this. You can go to my website and I have a whole program that I'm building out, but the first class is available about terpenes, which is a molecule of the cannabis plant okay. that we're finding that is causing some of the benefits of the elevation in mood, the mental focus, the uh, pain reduction. Right. So the more we dive in, it's like there are all these different parts and we all respond to them differently. Mm -hmm. And that's how we get to finding the balance. Um, but as we're looking for balance, it's hard to dose because your balance is going to be different from mine. Right. And so I always tell people, start low and go slow. 
Okay. And what that means is if you have an edible, don't take more than five milligrams at a time. Okay. You need a very small amount. If you have um, flour that you're smoking like a joint, um, one pull of that flour for me could be 2.5 milligrams of THC. For you, it could be seven milligrams of THC. So okay. we could say 2.5 to five milligrams of THC per pull of a joint or a vape. Okay. And then um, that's, you would technically do one, two pulls and that's it. Okay. So it's like how we would think traditionally, let's just keep smoking or keep eating out. Pass you know, it around. Yeah, right. <laughs> so when you're just starting, it's like, it's meant to be taken in low doses. Okay. Everybody's different. There are people who are like, I need 10 pulls of a joint, you know, mm-hmm. because their system where they need balance and how much they need to be balanced is different. Right. But if it just rule of thumb, start as low as possible. I wouldn't do more. If you're a novice, I wouldn't take more than five milligrams of a THC edible. And then I wouldn't do more than two pulls of a joint or a vape. Okay. Just right. as a rule of thumb to start. Yeah, no, that's helpful. And I mean, you know, I, I, I like you, um, love plants. I've got so many herbs in my cabinets and like, you know, this morning I got up and I made my, um, oat straw, hawthorn, ginger, cinnamon tea, which I love. I just love the flavor of it all together. Plus I know it's good for circulation and heart and all that. And that's a a really good blend. Thank you. I like that one. (laughs) Um, and you know, and I'm always been a person that believes in this gets back to what you were saying about it growing in different places, Mm -hmm. you know, the cook in the kitchen, right? Like if you're cooking the food with love, you know, and if you're making my, my tea mixtures with love and the plants, that's why I want to grow my own plants and use them because I know my energy is infused in those plants. And I think that that goes the same into probably growing, you know, marijuana, the marijuana plant, like that same energetic, Mm -hmm. who's loving on it. Were you singing to it today? You know, (laughs) I believe that that influences it because we're all energetic beings Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I see plants as living things as well and no different than than myself. So, um, it, it, that's interesting. And since I'm in a place where I can grow it, then maybe that's what I should do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, they're living entities and Mm -hmm. if we treat them with the respect that they deserve, then they're going to produce more, you know, it's like they produce what you need. They produce, and there's, um, I mean, the seed cycle is such a give and take. You give it the love, the light, the nourishment, the nutrients, and it gives back to you what you put into it. Right. That's just, you know, gardening one-on-one. So absolutely. You know, if you're pruning those leaves that are brown, it's going to flourish more. It's like all of that stuff. And and I I definitely believe that we pour into it and intention and purpose and where I am, my state energetically is going to transfer into the soil and and those plants. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to wrap up, but I have one last question for you. Uh Oh, always ask people this question too. What's something in the last year that you have done that you'd consider brave? Oh, um, hmm. I, I'm, it's a couple of things. So I'm like, which one? Okay. okay. I, I started expanding my teaching offerings. Mm-hmm. So teaching in different institutions. And um, I say that's brave. Even though I love teaching, I've been teaching things that I don't normally teach. 
in that because I it's like I can I want to deliver information in a very specific way but it makes me you're always a student right you're right perpetually so it definitely puts me back in the place of um starting over I think when it comes to material like I there are classes I can teach where I don't I can wake up and just jump and teach yep. but now I'm like exploring these other things that kind of challenges me in what I want to deliver it's like I know I want to get this information out but I haven't taught this before right um so that's been a space that's something I'm dealing with really um in real time that I feel like okay you know I gotta give myself pep talk sometimes <laughs> like mm-hmm. all right you can do it mm-hmm. you can do this um because one of the things because I am so much kind of a science person is that I always want to deliver right information yes and then it's like this I, I can sometimes see the critique creeping in and I have to just stop that and just dive in and just the goal is to deliver and, and trust the knowledge that you have and the knowledge mm-hmm. that you're continuing to receive so beautiful beautiful well, thank you so much for joining me here today. I made lots of notes that I'm going to go back <laughs> and look up some things too, because which is why I love these conversations because perpetual student learner. Um, mm-hmm. This is this is, helps yeah. me stay in that frame because we all, like you said, we're all healers. I believe we're all educators in some kind of way too. Yeah. We can all be teachers, and so mm-hmm. thank you for teaching me some things today, helping me to grow in ways too. Well, likewise, you know, I, I really appreciate you. I, I'm telling you now, just your whole, your brave um, courage and ability to put yourself in a place of peace and um, kind of shut out parts of the world. I, I think it's just wonderful to be able to do that, to fully kind of be who you are. It's, it's um, I know it comes with challenges, but I applaud you and I am excited for you for doing that. And you're definitely giving me a little bit of motivation. (laughs) I thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank Thank you for having me. Yep. Thanks so much for listening and thanks especially to Jamila Owens Todd for being my guest on the show today. If you're interested in learning more about naturopathic healing, perhaps you're in search of um, a physician for yourself, or if you're interested in learning more about the science of cannabis, um, check out the show notes where I've left information on how to um, get in touch with Jamila. Um, as always, be well and be kind and be love. Peace. Hey, one more thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episodes or any of the other episodes that you've listened to on this podcast, I'd invite you to please rate and review the podcast as well. Send it to a friend who might enjoy it as well. Just one more note, I'm over over on Substack now, so check out the writing over there. It's Wandering and Wondering Yoga Minus the Asana, building a small community over there where we can talk and discuss things in another kind of way. All right, take care.